Today is Christ the King Sunday. Now, if you didn't know that, I wanted to proclaim that to you. It's Christ the King Sunday. And in the Christian calendar, now we have a regular calendar. Uh, the new year starts in January and it goes through the end of December. But the Christian calendar, uh, this is the last Sunday of the Christian calendar. And we celebrate Jesus Christ being our King. Not just King, but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's no one more uh, powerful. He is supreme. God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are sovereign. And so as we end the Christian calendar with Christ the King Sunday, then we begin the new calendar year in Advent, that season of preparation. Advent uh, comes from that word Adventist, which, which means coming. We celebrate the coming of Jesus, our Messiah. That was the one who was promised to save us from our sins. And so uh, next Sunday, we'll be in the Advent season. We'll be excited about the, the, new, the new birth of the new Christian year and, and all the exciting things that come with that wonderful holiday and, and uh, that season of the year, the great music, the, all of the things. And so I'm excited uh, about that. But Christ the King Sunday uh, is today, and uh, Jesus is our King. Uh, now, in the United States, we don't have a monarchy. We, we as our Founding fathers understood uh, government and, and, and monarchies and, 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 and dictatorships and all of that. They realized, you know, that there are certain principles that God has laid out. And all men are to be free. And all men are to be governed, self-governed, but also governed in a way that allows this freedom to be fully enjoyed and preserved. And so we have a, a system of government uh, we are a republic based on uh, democratic principles, and we have three branches of our leadership over our country. And who knows one of those branches? This is not a test, but it is. So what is it? What is, what is judicial? We've got a ju Yes, judicial. What's another one? Legislative. Legislative. What do we do there? We make the laws, right? And then what's the last one? Executive. executive. And who is our head in the executive is the president. But our president is not a king. Our pre there are checks and balances within our system because our founding fathers understood that there is inerrant in our human DNA. When we have authority and power, we can, as last week we talked about Jesus being our servant, being a servant. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. There's this idea when you are the king and this truth, when, when someone is king, of their kingdom, they rule. And what they say goes. And if you don't like the king, you have no recourse. You have no way to appeal. The king is sovereign. And if the king is a good person, then the kingdom is blessed. But if the king is wicked and evil and conceited, which sometimes happens when people have power, then the kingdom suffers. And so they understood that in our, in our uh, Constitution and all the wonderful founding documents that we have with this wisdom and understanding of not only human nature, but uh, truth from the Scriptures. God is prophet, priest, and king for us. And, and all of these truths that we don't have a kingdom. We don't have one person who rules over everybody under them. Now, in the Old Testament... The people of Israel wanted a king. They looked around and they said, hey, these other nations have a king. They have a king that leads them into battle, a king that tells them what to do. And We want a king. 
And so uh, the prophet Samuel said, uh, you really don't want a king. That's not how God has set this up for us. We, we're doing pretty good the way it is. God is our king, and, and he's the one that we look to, and he's made the rules, and he, and he gives us the ability. Oh, we want a king. So God finally said, I'll, I'll let them have a system of ruling that reflects their desire. And there were good kings and there were bad kings. And the nation was blessed under good kings. The nation suffered under bad kings. And, and, and that system is a way of, of ruling a, a group of people. It's not what we have in America. So when we, we say Christ is our king, we really don't have a frame of reference because we've never been ruled by a king. We just never have. We've been blessed to have uh, the ability to vote and, and to have our voice matter and, and then to have representatives that represent us at a larger level and, and then have three branches of government where there's checks and balances and all of the freedoms that we have and, and that are protected. And we don't have somebody saying this is what it is and, and everybody has to do it. We, we don't have that. But the reality is Jesus is king. And he's just not the king of the United States or of Russia Jesus is the king of creation. And all kings throughout history had to and will give an account to Jesus because he is truly the sovereign. Now, remember last week when we looked at that passage in Philippians and we talked about how Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. And then God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Those in heaven, those on earth, and those under earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So throughout human history, every king who ever ruled, whether he was a good man or a good woman, every queen who ever ruled, whether she was a good queen or a bad queen, they are going to bow before the king of kings, Jesus. And they will confess, whether they did on this earth or not, he is truly the Lord. There's no one greater. And so with Jesus being the king, we as followers of Jesus want to make sure that we do as followers are to do. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I don't want you to answer them out loud, but I want you to think about it because we'll come back to them later on this morning. But who has the final say in your life? Who has the final say in your life? Who decides what you do and how you do it? So think about those questions. As I think about Jesus being my king, as I think about Jesus being the king of kings, a couple of scriptures come to mind. First was in Matthew, and we'll understand these passages during Advent uh, in detail. But the Magi, the wise men, come to uh, Jerusalem seeking the king, and they say, Matthew 2, 2, where is he who was born king of the Jews. For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So when Herod hears this, he is the ruler of that area and he doesn't appreciate there being a king being born in his jurisdiction. But they say, where is the king of the Jews? And that is Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, verse 32 through 33, an angel of the Lord appears to Mary. And we'll unpack this during the Advent season. But here's one of the things the angel says to her about Jesus. He will be great and will be be called the Son of the Most High. 
And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, his ancestor David from generations before. Give him the throne. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. How many of y'all have watched Sandlot? Forever. I don't need to demean the scripture here. But, but, but forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Jesus will reign forever. Y'all want to say that with me forever the way they did Sandlot? Forever. How many people have not seen Sandlot? Okay, good. Well, you'll have to go watch it. You'll have to get her to go. It's a funny, funny. Forever. Jesus reigns. He will rule forever. And that is the king that we serve. That's the king you and I have the privilege of serving, that Jesus is the king. When he was uh, arrested, Jesus was arrested. Fast forward uh, from, th- from this time in Scripture, uh, 33 years. Jesus is arrested. He comes before Pilate. Pilate is uh, over Jerusalem at that time in authority, has uh, Rome uh, giving him authority to do what he's doing. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, have you heard people talk about that? Why are you asking me that question? But that's what people said. He was the king. And Jesus explained to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And in the Greek, it talks about how the kingdom was not a part of this world. It was for this world. God's kingdom, Jesus being the king of that kingdom, is to benefit and to bless this world. But it is not earthly in the sense that its origin is what humans have created or humans have decided that you're going to be our king. It is other than this world, but it is for this world. And Jesus said, if it was of this world, then my servants would fight to keep me from being arrested. Uh, But Jesus is the king. Now, today our our scripture passage, which is in your bulletin, comes from uh, Revelation. This is a powerful book, and sometimes uh, people avoid it because... The type of literature it is is apocalyptic, and we don't have a lot of apocalyptic writing today. It, it, it was very prevalent in the day that John wrote this. Uh, it has imagery in it. It has metaphors. It has simile. It, it has all types of, of uh, uh, t- the genre is just different. It's, it's not a mystery. It's not a novel. It's different from that. And so in this, you have visions, and, and uh, uh, sometimes it's very difficult to understand because of the symmetry and things like that. But in Revelation chapter 19, and I'm going to read 11 through 16. I think it might be up on the screen. Uh, but if you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn there. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw, this is John writing, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat upon it was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. And John is talking about Jesus here. And his eyes are a flame of fire. And upon his head are many diadems, crowns, beautiful, uh, uh, adorned with with beautiful, uh, precious stones. And his name was written, which is one that no one knows except himself. And his clothes were a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, 
so that with it he may smite the nations. And he will rule them with the rod of iron. And he treads the wine presses with fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe, and this is the scripture that's in your bulletin. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As we see this description of Jesus, as John is describing it, trying to help us understand, this is a picture of a sovereign king on a white horse, triumphant, victorious, uh, sovereign. I mean, what he says goes. And on, on him is all that we need uh, to sustain us, to, to uphold us, to provide for us. And his armies are following him. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as I think about Jesus being the king of my life, it's more than just saying, you know what, I'm going to be uh, you know, a, a, a nice person. I'm going to name the name of Christ. But when Jesus is my king, when Jesus is your king, when Jesus is our king, then that changes our perception of how we live life. And remember, I asked you, you know, basically, who makes the decisions in your life? Now, the answer to that basically is you. You get to make those decisions. I get to make those decisions. We make those choices. But when Jesus becomes the Lord of my life, when Jesus becomes my king, then I surrender what I want, what I think, and what my will is to what he wants and what he thinks and what is his, his will for my life. So all my decisions, all my concerns, all of my hopes, all of my dreams, they're filtered through, God, what would you have me do? What is your will for my life? You are my king. You are my sovereign. I'm going to follow you. You tell me what is right and wrong in this world. I want to do what you want me to do. You are my king. And as your servant, I will obey. Now, the beautiful thing about Jesus is he is a loving, magnanimous, generous, gracious king. He's not harsh, and he's not mean, and he's not uh, difficult. He is loving. And he knows what's best for us. And so when you and I seek his guidance, when you and I look to him for, for wisdom and insight, when you and I want to know what do we need to do, his word helps us. And the principles from scripture teach us how to respond. But then there's a day-to-day, Lord, what is your will for me? What do you want me to do? And as the king, we don't say, you want me to do that? Uh, great idea, but no. <laughs> we don't do that. We, we, don't, we, we say yes. Let me give you a couple of examples in my life. And it's, it's uh, you know, the beautiful thing is, is we want to follow the king. Um, when we graduated from seminary, Fran and I, in, in May of 2000, uh, she got her degree in Christian ed. I got my uh, MDiv. Uh, we knew we'd be coming back to the South Georgia Conference. And we would be serving somewhere in South Georgia. As, as I would be a Methodist minister. She just felt like she'd be working with the church. And then later on, she got ordained. But, but back in those days, Bobby, the, uh, the bishop was Bishop Richard Looney. And some of y'all might remember Bishop Looney. But Bishop Looney gave the senior pastors of large churches what was called grazing rights, which means the senior pastor had the opportunity to handpick their associate. So in a situation like we are today, it would be like Martha, since I'm the senior pastor, when it came time for, for an appointed position and I needed an associate, I could go out and look at all the different ministers in South Georgia and, and, and make that contact, make that interview and decide, do I really want to hire this person to be my associate or not? And then if I did, then I would say, hey, Bishop, I've talked to so-and-so. They want to come on to Martha Bowman to be an associate pastor here. And he would say, if it works, great. And he'd give the stamp of approval and then he would make that appointment. And that's just kind of how it was back then. And so um, this was... So we graduated in May of 2000, but in the 
the late uh, winter of 99, I get a phone call. And it was a guy at a big church on the coast. And he said, Mark, I want you to come down. We want to uh, hire you as the associate here. And I just want you to see the church and us talk about it and, uh, and, and see if it's a good fit. And so Fran and I came down. Uh, we had a weekend with them. Had a great time. We laughed. I mean, my stomach was hurting. I laughed so hard. Uh, Fran and I could see us working with this couple and, and just a great church and, 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 and just vibrant ministry going on. And, and we really felt like, man, we, we could be here. And uh, my heart was really set on being at another church uh, because that's the church I grew up in. And I'd served that church as a youth director for seven years. And they actually paid for our seminary pretty much. And I, I was hoping to be able to go back to that church, but I didn't think that church was going to be available. I just thought, no, nope, that, that church is not going to open up. So we, we had a great weekend, and at the very end, he said, well, what do you think? Do you feel like this would be, could be uh, where you would want to serve? I said, well, let me pray. Just let me pray about it. So we, I prayed, and I prayed, and I felt like God said five things to me. Savannah is not for you. And I said, but God, this guy's awesome, and, and, and I like working. He's, and I can, you know, I can see myself here. Savannah is not for you. So I had to tell him. I said, man, I, I would love being here, but I, I, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't know where God is, wants to lead me, but, but, but I'm not supposed to be here. And he said, well, I respect that, and I appreciate that. And uh, long story short, I, I won't tell you some other things that happened, but uh, the right person ended up coming to that church, and it was a great fit for them. And, uh, and I, I just, but the king... The king told me no. So I was like, fine, all right. So later on, I get a call from Buddy Cooper at St. Paul, and uh, he said, Mark, why don't you come down and, uh, and be the associate pastor here? Matt's going to be leaving. And uh, I said, Matt's leaving? I didn't think Matt would leave. I thought Matt was going to be there forever. He said, yeah, Matt uh, is, is going to be leaving. And, and that was where my heart's desire was, to be able to go back there. And uh, so uh, I said, well, Buddy, let me pray, because I, I know I want to do this, but and I didn't tell him this, but in my mind, I'm thinking, what does my Lord want for me? I know what I want to do. I, yeah, I want to go back there and be the associate pastor. I, you know, and God said, go and grow. Go and grow. And I was like, thank you, Lord. So we got to move back to Columbus, and I served there and, and uh, started our ministry in the South Georgia Conference uh, there. Uh, but Savannah was not for me. But the king told me that. And what if I said, you know what, I, I, I'm going to do what I want. I, I like this church. I'm going to go here. This one. God would have let me, but I wouldn't be obeying the king. Uh, we are to obey him. He knows what's best for us. Now, the only relationship, that's not the only relationship you and I have with the king as far as following him. We don't do it just because we are obedient servants. That, that's a concept. That's a scriptural principle that we live by. We have to have that mindset, but that's not the only reason we follow God. That's not the only uh, scenario. Another scenario is that he is the shepherd of the sheep. So not only are you and I subjects of the king, servants of the king, but we are his sheep. And the shepherd takes care of the sheep, nurtures the sheep, loves the sheep, ministers to the sheep, cares for them in every way, shape, and form. And so when the sheep wants us to follow the shepherd, then we do that because he's the good shepherd. So why would you and I want to do what God wants us to do? Because he's our king. He's sovereign. We really don't get a chance to debate. But he gives us that free will. And he's our good shepherd. Another scenario that we see in Scripture, another idea that, that, that helps us understand why we, we, why we follow him, why he is, he's worthy of that, um, 
is the idea of, of Jesus being the head of the body. In many places in the New Testament, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. We are the body. You've heard that, sir. You've read that in the Scripture. You and I are his body. He is our head. And, and the, the church follows the head. Uh, where's Jeremy? Is Jeremy here? Thanks, Jeremy. Come on up. I've asked Jeremy to help me with this idea of, of the head following the body. Let's give Jeremy a big hand. Uh, all right. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate you coming up. All right. So when I was in high school, I, I played lots of sports. But one of the sports I enjoyed was, was wrestling. And so we, we learned about different techniques on how to take people down and all this kind of stuff. And I've told you about a few things. But one of the things we learned is that the body follows the head. Okay, so if I want Jeremy to go over here to my left, his right, if I take his head, what is Jeremy going to do? He's going to go that way. If I want Jeremy to go over here, Jeremy, what am I going to do? I'm going I'm to take your head. Our bodies follow our head. Now, one of the principles is if I pull Jeremy's head down, what's his body going to do? It's going to go down. But the tendency in wrestling is not to be here because this is not a good place. So his head's going to pop up and his body's going to pop up. And you know that. So one of the techniques in wrestling, when you, when you lock up with your, with your opponent, if you wanted to expose this part of his, his body, what you would do is you'd pull him down, and then what's he going to do? He's going to pop right back up. That's just what we do. If you pull my head down, I'm popping it up. So when I, when I pull him down, he's going to pop up, and that, that exposes his leg. I'm not going to take you down. <laughs> just give him a big hand. Thank you. Thank you. you, you did great. Thank you, thank you. So this idea of Jesus being our head, he's our king, he's our good shepherd, but he's, I'm, I'm a part of the body and I'm going to go where the head wants me to go because I'm connected. I'm connected to him. And so this idea of, of who really rules in your life is a good question to always ask. God, what, what do you want from me? How do you want me to live? How am I supposed to respond? And it's not that we are ignorant, but it's a yielding to the king. And, and last week, we, I hit it hard. Jesus serves. He came to serve. And so a part of us being like the king, we might have authority, we might have power, we might have uh, fame, we might have influence. And we are to use all of that for good in the service of others as Jesus our true king did and so I, my hope is that we we follow his example we do what the king wants but we're asking lord what is it what is your will now the scripture gives us so many already things to do and things not to do and so as we study, as we pour our lives into that, and as we let it influence us, the king's already told us lots of things to do. So every day, I don't need to say, do I love my wife? Uh, do I pray for my church? Do I forgive others? Do, do, I, do I act in kindness and, and charity? I, I don't have to ask God those things. Why? Because over and over and over, he's already told us what to do. And he's modeled that for us during the time he was on earth. So as I look at his life and as I hear his words and as I read his words and as I listen to, then I know that's how I'm supposed to live. And as a good servant of the king, it's not like, well, 
God, you told me to love this person, but I'm just not going to do it. That, that is so foreign to respond to the king that way. We just don't. And so I want to encourage you, and encourage me this morning, is who makes those decisions in your life? You do, as it is yielded to the desires of the king. Who decides what you do in your life? You do. But it's yielded to the desires of the king as he guides us and leads us. It's the best way to go. The shepherd knows the best places to eat, the best fields, those brooks that are so peaceful and calm, the water so clean and so clear, so refreshing for us. Oh, and the head will never put us in a place that is harmful for us. It might be difficult for a season. It might be tough but he knows what's best. And as we follow the king, as we follow the shepherd, as we follow the head, we're in the best place we can be. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for days like today that we come to worship, we come to encourage one another, we come to fellowship, we come to hear your word. And today as the church universal celebrates Christ our king, Father, I recognize Jesus, you being my king, Jesus, you being my Lord, and I want to do what you've called me to do. Father, forgive us for the times that we don't listen to you and respond to our sovereign. Father, this morning as we finish our service, as we sing our closing song, Lord, uh, thank you for the opportunity to come and, and surrender our hearts to you. And may we do that as we're led in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of things as we sing our closing song. I thank you for always taking those communication cards and placing those in the offering. And I thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Um, but I also want to let you know that, that as we sing this closing song, the, the altar's open. Uh, it might be that you look at your life and say, Mark, I, I never check in with God on what to do and how to do it and principles for living. And, and uh, I, I know I need to start doing that. And maybe today could be a day where you come forward and, and maybe uh, surrender to the king. Uh, let him be the Lord of your life. It could be that when you're standing where you are, you make that quiet prayer. Lord, lead me in a way that I've never been led. Because I'm going to seek you to a depth that I've never sought you before. Um, give me ears to hear you. And the courage to follow uh, and just imagine what life would be like as you and I do what the king wants us to do. Think about how our families would be if you and I obey the king in responding to, to, to family, to relationships. Uh, what would your work be like as you're leading as one who followed the sovereign who served, all of these blessings come. All of these blessings are ours because our king is good.